You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word. And we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio of Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And while you're there, download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible on there that you can keep in your pocket. There's an online community that you can connect with and all of our teachings. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. Like I say every day, I don't want you to miss anything as we go through the Gospels. We're in the Gospel of Matthew today, going with Matthew chapter 19. It's wild to think that we are in uh, chapter 19 in just a couple weeks from now. Uh, we are going to be out of the gospel. And if you've been listen, listening along uh, since the beginning, that would mean that you have gone through the whole book of John and now the whole book of Matthew, which is awesome, awesome. I also hope that you're doing some studying on your own, but uh, we are going to continue here. Uh, I want to remind everybody that actually tonight— at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am going to have a great conversation with Pastor Mike Miano. Pastor Mike Miano is of Blue Point Bible Church in Blue Point, New York. He has an interesting perspective being on the ground in uh, Palestine. So we're going to talk uh, through the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from that perspective. It's going to be a good one, so definitely jump on that and share it as well. If you're listening, again, wherever you get your podcast, that's going to be uh, put on those platforms uh, around the same time. I'm going to try to get that up uh, tonight as well. And uh, let's get started, shall we? Okay, so Matthew chapter 19, we just studied who? The rich young ruler, right? This young prominent man comes up to Jesus and basically says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you got to keep keep the commandments. Now, of course, he meant you got to keep them perfectly. And as far as we can tell, the rich young ruler believes that he does. So he says, well, I've done that since my youth. And he says, all right, well, if you want to be perfect, Go and sell your possessions, and then follow me. Jesus starts calling him into discipleship, and then what happens? The rich young ruler, he goes and sells everything. No, he doesn't. He gets very, very sad because he loved his possessions. He loved his status. He loved his wealth. And I think you and I both hope that the rich young ruler came back around. And uh, if you have learned anything about Jesus— uh, over the course of the last year studying here, you know that Jesus would welcome him back with open arms, which is an encouragement for all of us, but uh, we don't see that here. He walks away, and that leaves us with the conversation that we're going to uh, discuss today. So if you imagine rich young ruler walks away, disciples are watching, big opportunity there. He could have been uh, part of the inner circle there, most likely. Uh, but no, he decides to walk, and then Jesus now starts to teach his disciples about some of the pitfalls of wealth. And there is so much in terms of misconceptions around wealth. Is it good? Does God you know, want you to uh, be uh, prosperous or, or overly prosperous? When I say that lavish lifestyle, I mean, uh, we, we are coming out of, I think, of an era where we see a lot of the teaching of the what 
is deemed, and I'm not trying to use this in too much of a derogatory way, but of health and wealth, right? When I first came to Christ, I kind of attached myself to uh, a good bit of uh, of that. Uh, and, you know, I, th- I think there's, when you look at pockets or like, I don't want to use the term flare-ups because... <laughs> Because that's a negative kind of connotation, but we get like these movements where, where we hone in on an area, and the bottom line is is that God wants us to be good stewards of the life that we have, and uh, I do believe with all my heart that by the same measure that we give, the same measure that we receive. Now you say, well, hold on a second. I know rich people that don't give anything to anyone. You know, we have, but I want to break the mindset that being rich automatically equates to favor with God. It's not the case. It's not the case when, you know, during Jesus's time here as well. And that was the big perception. Right, the even the religious leaders, right? They had the money, they had the influence, they had the admiration of people, and Jesus, when they were on these, you know, street corners, you know, trying to get everybody's attention about how, how holy they were, Jesus says, "Well, the admiration of people is that what you're seeking? Well, that's your reward." The problem is when you focus solely on wealth itself, the reward it is itself is temporary. And it may feel good at the time, but it doesn't last. And remember, Jesus, many, many times, in many, many ways, talks about what? Not pursuing food that spoils. He wants you to bear fruit as his disciple. What? Fruit that remains. He also says, I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. The problem is, is sometimes we want to look at the quote-unquote abundant life and immediately take that and make it abundant bank account. Lots of zeros. Well, the problem is when you leave this earth, you could have lots of zeros, but you end up with one big zero. You can't take it with you, right? So let's read the, the account of what we know as the camel through the eye of the needle. We're going to break this down. We're going to break it down a couple theories as to what is actually meant by this, and then, uh, and then we'll wrap it up, okay? So let us read. We are on Matthew chapter 19, starting with verse 23. We're going to go 23 through 26 this morning. Then Jesus said to his disciples, again, after the rich young ruler walks away, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, note note that, and asked, who then can be saved? Verse 26, Jesus looked at them and says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So Jesus points out, it is very hard for a rich person to enter in to the kingdom of God, or the way Matthew puts it here, the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to point something else out here. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are not only the destination in the afterlife. 
Okay, we know that eternal life is a blessing of the new covenant that we're in, right? Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins. He rose, uh, his resurrection gives us life after death in heaven, where it says in that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has ever even fathomed the things that are in store for those who love the Lord. But when we look at that, those scriptures, we have to realize that it's not just about going to heaven, all right? Earth is not a waiting room from heaven, although some people say that about the state of Florida. It's not a waiting room for heaven. Jesus, from the beginning, is teaching the establishment of the conditions of heaven, making its way here to earth, first through him and now through us. The new covenant allows us to bring the things of heaven here to earth, right? Physical healings, wiping away every tear, right? What is what is the kingdom of God here on earth? It is the ability to maintain righteousness, peace, and joy no matter what is going on. It is the ability to extinguish every work of the enemy. There's too much of the church right now that is looking at newspapers, the news, what's going on around us, and saying these things must happen. No, they shouldn't. We have the authority. We have the Great Commission. We'll get to it in Matthew chapter 28, but I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to him. He says, therefore, go. The authority of who he is translates to us, and then we become ambassadors for him, right? We are here to speak on behalf of the king. And when we speak on his behalf, we have to speak like he speaks, right? Amen. We can get into that another day. We do quite often, okay? So my brother Dexter on the live stream says, the key component in eternal life is peace with God. Yes, I would say too, Dexter, that eternity starts today, right? Peace with God isn't just after this life. Amen? All right. So let's keep on rolling here. I I read all this. All right. So let's break it down. He says, truly, I tell you, it's hard for somebody who's rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right. So what is he talking about with this camel and the eye of the needle? Well, there are theories and debates around this. So I'm going to go through all of the possibilities that I have found anyway. And if you know of any others, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear them. But the first is that Jesus is simply talking in hyperbolic language. We do this all the time. That's where we use imagery to get our point across. Not too far-fetched when we see how Jesus uses parables to get, you know, us and the disciples to understand what he is talking about. And he's talking about, obviously, you think of of a camel who during that time was one of the largest, you know, common land animals to be able to go through the eye of a needle. It's almost ridiculous. Jesus, you know, could be kind of joking here, almost, you know, sharing an impossibility. Now he ends this part of the conversation with, with, Man, there are things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible, right? So he's not he, – what, what is important for us to know is it, is it is not 
impossible for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is not. We know that by the final statement. So is Jesus possibly using just hyperbolic language um, as to something that would appear to be impossible to man? I think that's quite possible. I do lean that way. Um, but the other way that you that gets taught quite often is the gate theory, that there was a narrow entrance into Jerusalem where a camel would have to kneel to be able to get in. Now, if you were traveling and you were going through this, imagine if this was the case, and you would go through, you would have to take all the packs off the camel. So you could preach a whole sermon on this, and it'd be, you know, you, you could kind of spin it where it's like, well, you know, to enter into the kingdom, you have to shed the baggage that's that's on you. And uh, honestly, it's a, it's a nice uh, comparison there. Um, but I would will say that when you look from an archaeology standpoint, archaeological standpoint, there is not a whole lot of evidence that there was such a gate. And again, if you um, know of any different, let me know. Uh, I would love I love to find out the actual context of things. So this is the other theory. Another theory, theory number three, is that it's a mistranslation in Aramaic. Okay, the word camel, which was Jesus's like original language, right? Um, the word camel and the word rope are very close. So could it have been a mistranslation? I mean, think about it. If you have the eye of a needle, right, it's hard enough, okay, even with my glasses on, to get a thread through the eye of a needle, right? <clears throat> Imagine a rope, near impossible. You'd have to take little strands and one strand at a time, and then you wouldn't be able to do it, right? So that's one possibility. The final, which I find pretty interesting as well, um, is that it's a, an expression from the Talmud. The Talmud is a you know collection of Jewish writings, and they actually had, <clears throat> excuse me, I wish I had some water. Um, they actually had a saying that uh, about an elephant going through an eye of a needle. That's that's actually a historically recorded saying. So, did that influence Jesus into the expression with the camel through the eye? of a needle. All possible, right? And we could we could debate all this stuff. But what is undebatable, right, is the meaning of all this. It's that there are pitfalls in wealth and riches that can cause us to experience loss. Although we may think we have everything that we need, right? Just like the rich young ruler, he had everything but he still felt like there was something lacking. We see that in Solomon, right? When he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, right? He says, he says, I have this, I have the, I have the palaces, I have the the money, I have, I have the women, I have everything. But what? Without God, it's nothing. He comes to that realization. And by the way, we see plenty of wealthy people serving God. Right? We let's see, I have a of a little okay, so we have Abraham. He was no slouch financially, right? He had uh, he had lands, he had he had the people, he had money. Uh, David, obviously, Solomon, richest man allegedly to ever exist, wisest man to ever exist, not a perfect guy by any stretch. None of these men were Zacchaeus, who we see in different accounts and which was uh, this, you know, chief tax collector. And what does he do? He, he, he 
gets in the way of Jesus. Jesus goes to his house. He changes his whole heart, and he pays everybody back uh, that, he, that he ever wronged. Matthew himself, the writer of this gospel, you made some good money if you were a tax collector, okay? And you were hated for it. So they had this mindset that money somehow equated to favor, but then, you know, some of these people like Matthew, tax collectors, they couldn't stand them, right? And how rich were the Romans? So it's really not about the number of zeros in your bank account. It's about the condition of your heart, right? It's really about the condition of your heart. You could have some of the poorest areas, and this is not just about riches, by the way. Some of the poorest areas, I remember, you know, growing up and hanging out in there, and, you know, they'd have big $100 bills on, on, their, on their shirts. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And you could be very, very rich and totally got nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with God. I have everything that I need. And that's what's written right in the book of Revelation to, to the church of what, Laodicea, right? Is, is you become so rich, you need nothing, right? And that is a curse in itself, to think that you're so rich that you need nothing. To be blinded in such a way by wealth that you feel like you don't need God. Because what happens then? You lose everything, right? It says, what, what is it for a man to profit the whole world but lose his own soul? And on the other side, right, this is in Proverbs. I think it's Proverbs 27. Somebody will correct me on that if I'm wrong. But the sayings of Agur where it says, Lord, give, almost like give me the blessing of just enough, right? right? Don't give me so much that I forget who you are. Don't help make me suffer so much that I, that I will steal and I will dishonor you, right? But there, there's, that, there's that middle point where we have our portion. Now, our portion can grow, but you see like Joseph of Arimathea, Zacchaeus, these, these men who had money, right, and did what? They used it for God's glory. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about taking the blessings that God has for us, whether you are wealthy or whether you have a might like the widow, right, and using what you have to honor him. And then he will increase your territory. But it's not all about the number of zeros. Plenty of people that have money in the bank and they just have, and just have sadness in their heart. We see it over and over and over again. So it's about being content and rejoicing where you are today and opening yourself up for God to bless, not you, but bless through you. Because the, the byproduct of blessing through you is you get blessed as well. So make your life as we go into this new year, one where you are willing to bless. Don't, don't covet other people in terms of how much they have or look down on people for how much they don't have or compare yourself to, to these people. This is about this. At the time of this recording, it's the end of the year, right? A lot of people spending a lot of money out there on gifts and looking at this. And we're kind of in this kind of materialistic mindset. And it could be very, very hard to deal with. There could be a lot of pressure. It could be a lot of keeping up with the Joneses here. Just remember, God wants you to be content where you are. He wants to, you to bless others. What? For his name's sake. 
And if you're willing to do that, there's nothing that won't be added to your life. As a matter of fact, just like the rich young ruler, sometimes having too much where you're too comfortable can be a real stumbling block to your life. So that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you today is that God would give you the portion to where you are you are able to maintain, but you're also able to trust him, right? And faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes we need to be a little uncomfortable to make way for the faith that we need to have. Going into this new year, I look at the economy. I look at things going on. You know, I could be very worried about my own business, right? I, I run and own a business, but I trust God. And I believe that if I just do the right things, even if I fall on some difficulties, even if I have some mishaps, just like every other time in my life, God is going to see me through it. Some of you here, within the sound of my voice, you have been through some stuff, no doubt, but you got through it. Here you are. God got you through it. You might be a little battered, you might be a little bruised, but you are here. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you yet. And if you would trust him with what you have today, today, watch him multiply that. But for something to be multiplied, it's got to be put into his hands. Amen? Man, I love you guys. I'm just excited to go into this new year. I believe that this is going to be a prosperous year. I think it, I believe it's going to be a year where we confront the, the stumbling blocks in our life that are holding us back. Where... We are not like the rich young ruler where we kind of get to the feet of Jesus and then we look at what we may have to sacrifice to really follow him and walk away. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've walked away and I've come back and I walk away and I come back and I walk away and I come back and I'm never disappointed when I just say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with this area. And as we'll study tomorrow, there's nothing that you could ever give up or sacrifice for him that doesn't come back a million times over because what he has for you is so much better than anything that we could ever produce for ourselves. Amen. Let's pray it out. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that you are an awesome giving God. Father, if there's anything in the way of material possessions, just natural things of this world that are stopping us from really leaning in and pursuing you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, Help us to recognize those things and make the decision to set them down. If you agree with that this morning, say amen. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church. We're going to continue with Matthew 19 tomorrow. You're listening to the 1% Christian. Remember, 100 starts with 1. We got this out of the way. Now go and do something for Christ's sake. I love you guys. Have a great day.